You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. All right, so several years ago, I was on vacation, and we do road trips. And so we took a road trip to Montana, and we were in a place called Kalispell, Montana, which sits uh, just kind of below Canada, and there's this national park there called Glacier National Park. It's beautiful, and everywhere you go in Glacier National Park is like a picture, just gorgeous. All around, when I look out, it's beauty everywhere. It took us days to get there. It took us a lot of gas to get there, but I had my family there. And I do not know what it was. I cannot remember what exactly happened. But at one point, when we were riding around uh, Montana, beautiful Montana, I said something that I shouldn't have said. And my wife was not too happy with it. And we got into an argument. And I couldn't tell you today what the argument was about. But I could tell you that it was 82 degrees in Kalispell, Montana, and it was negative 15 in my car. You know what I mean? Like it was ice cold. And all I could think was, I spent all this money to come on vacation and to drive up here to have a good time, and I'm not having a good time, and I just want to have a good time, right? Like if there's anything in my life that I have hands-on experience with that I have done and dealt with time and time again, it is conflict in my family. Like not just between me and my wife, but uh, growing up in my house, we had a lot of conflict when I was a kid. Uh, And yes, even now between me and Jess or me and the kids, there's, there's usually something that comes up every now and then that creates tension or conflict. And yes, I know I'm the pastor here. I know that you would think that a pastor wouldn't have this happening in their house. I'm telling you right now, yes, your pastor sometimes gets into arguments with people that live in his house, okay? This is the way that it is for me. And if you come to church here, you too can have conflict in your home eventually over something, right? If you're a part of a family, you're going to have conflict. That is just the way it is. If you work a job, you are going to have conflict. You can't help it. Somebody sits next to you and they clip their nails in the office and it drives you crazy, right? You're going to have conflict. Even if you come to church and you're around people and you serve and you're in a life group, at some point you could have conflict. And conflict doesn't mean that we can't exist together. I mean, having conflict isn't always a bad thing. It's just part of who we are. I remember there was a couple that got married and they had just had the sweetest time dating and they got married and honeymoon and all these things. And about two months into their marriage, she came to the office and she was crying and she said, we had a terrible fight. I don't know if it's going to work out. And I was thinking, oh, honey, this is just the first one. You're going to have hundreds of these, right? This is going to be part of your life. You didn't know? Even so much now that in our premarital counseling, we always ask, have you had a good argument yet? And if they say no, I say, y'all go get into it about something, right? Y'all need to figure out what this is like on this side of marriage. Because conflict is going to happen. And we have to learn how to work through it. 
The Bible never pulls any punches about this, and it assumes the position that you're going to have conflict. Romans 12, verse 17 and 18, it says, never pay back evil with more evil. It assumes that evil is going to happen. It says, don't pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I read out of uh, my translation that I read, it says, um, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The Bible assumes that conflict is going to happen, and it also knows that despite your best efforts, you can't solve all the problems around you. Things won't always go the way that you want them to go, but the Bible says that you need to do, as far as you're concerned, everything you can do to live peaceably with those around you. As a pastor, one thing that I've learned very quickly is when people come in with marriage problems or family issues, it's almost always centered around unresolved conflict. They have an issue, a trouble, a problem that they need help working through, navigating, resolving, finding healing. And so my prayer today as we finish up our family series is to help you that. I do want to make one thing very clear, though, um, at the front end. When I talk about conflict, I'm specifically not talking about instances of abuse, I do not believe that it's God's will that his children live in abusive situations. And statistics would say that there are people in our church that may be dealing with abuse. Uh, The latest statistics, I don't know how accurate they are, but this is what I've read, is that one in four women are on the receiving end of an abusive relationship. One in nine men are on the receiving end of an abusive relationship. And if you are experiencing, uh, if you are in an abusive relationship, listen to me, you need help. And I know that it is very difficult for people to reach out for that help when they need it. I understand that. Um, it's one of the hardest things to do because what do you want to do? You want to cover it up. You want to just hide and say, you know, everything's good. Well, everything's fine. You need help. And you can reach out to any of the pastors here. You can reach out to any of the leaders here. And you can privately and confidentially come and say, hey, I need help. I'm in a difficult situation. We are 100% concerned to help you get the help that you need. Right. So I'm not talking about instances of abuse when I talk about conflict. What I am talking about are there are all kinds of little things that start arguments. There are things that start fights. There are issues that you have to work through, either whether you're married or not. Uh, If you're in the workplace, if you're married, if you have kids, there are all sorts of little things that cause problems in relationships. Some of the biggest, what I would call fire starters, these are the things that cause the biggest issues. Um, I'll, I'll give you a list of them here. The first one is money, right? Money can stress people out in a big way, especially right now. Every time you go to the gas station, it feels like the price is a little higher. You go to buy a thing of corn, it's 
20 cents more than it was last week. And you're not getting paid more than you were, but you're having to spend more than you were to keep up and to keep buying the same things. And so the lack of money or the stresses on your finances causes these tensions to happen in marriage. And so everybody gets really, what are you spending money on? We don't need that. We don't need that. Yes, I do need that. It causes conflict. Children cause conflict. I love my kids. I wouldn't trade my kids for anything in the world. But sometimes when you're having the best day, your kids can come off and they can set off a firecracker and blow the whole day up. You know what I mean? Like I love the kids, but they will at times create situations where there's conflict in the house. Other things that cause conflict, sex, Chores, friends, entertainment, differences with the way that you see church and your involvement in church or doctrinal things between people, relatives, expectations, personality. Sometimes you just rub people the wrong way and after a while it gets on your nerves and you, you end up in conflict. All these things are fire starters and it, and it can come from any direction, anywhere, anytime. I'll tell you what I have learned is that over the summer, lots of people end up in tough situations relationally. And you wouldn't think that because you think the summer, everybody's just sitting by the pool, they're going to the lake, all these things. But the most marriage counseling that we do as a church, it happens in August and September. Because during the summer, what happens is people go, they say, I'm going to live it up this summer. Everybody's going to Parrot Island. We're going to swipe that credit card at Parrot Island. I don't care. I'll deal with that later. We're going to go. Everybody's going to get some Andy's frozen custard five nights a week. We're swiping that credit card, right? And all these things are happening. You're going to Sonic every day. You're buying drinks for everybody. The kids are out of school. You're out of your routine. People fall out of going to church on the weekends. They don't meet in their small groups anymore. They get out of the habit of the daily Bible reading. Thing after thing after thing happens during the summer and it explodes in the fall and all of it when you get that bill from your credit card in September you're like I don't even like custard no more I don't even know why I bought that stuff anymore what am I thinking about you know all this stuff comes and then in a moment it's like a powder keg that blows up and everything goes haywire because during the summer you just kind of let things go and problems come and conflict comes so what I want to do today is I want to help you as you prepare to transition, the kids are going to be out of school soon. From this season to the next season, we want you to enter the fall healthier than you're leaving the springtime. Does that make sense? We want to help you with that today. So I'm going to give you a few things. Number one is this. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard this phrase that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? And what that means is if I do a little work on the front end to help myself prevent problems from happening, then it's a lot easier than having to come up on the back end and clean up all the problems that are happening. And a lot of times what happens is we are not full of the Holy Spirit and we're not led by the Holy Spirit. And so because we're not, the little things that don't even have to be conflicts become conflicts because we're led by something else. We're full of something else. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
we often find ourselves ending up in conflict that we don't even have to end up with because we're not led by the Spirit. We're led by lots of other things. And there are other things that people are led by all the time. They're led by their feelings, like what I want, what my desires, all these things. What do I want right now? I'm impulsive. I'm going to do it. It's going to lead me. I'm led by relationships. I let people that aren't following Jesus speak into my life and tell me, oh, you should be doing this, or you should be thinking this way or that way about this stuff. And I'm listening. I'm giving an ear to people that do not have any desire to do God's will, but they're trying to lead me and guide me. I can be led by the algorithms that social media tells me that I need to be led. You know, every time you pull out your phone, okay, and you open up Facebook and something pops up on Facebook, the very first post you see, did you know that it's not just by chance that that post is there? That there is a machine, there is a computer, there is an algorithm and a team of people that work tirelessly to try to figure out what it is that you want to see. And they, they program it in such a way that the things that are in front of your eyes are on purpose that they're there. And so you will come across an article and you'll say, wow, I'm glad that I came across this article on my Facebook. What a nice by chance thing. And it will attempt to sway the way that you think about things. It's not by accident that you came across that article. An algorithm. It sounds crazy. You can go watch documentaries about this right now that are out. An algorithm is putting that article in front of your eyes because it wants to lead you. It wants to influence you. I can be led by a lot of things. I must be led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about us as if we are containers, that we're containers and we can be full of things. Some of you are full of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are full of something else. And I don't need to say any more about that. The Bible tells us that we are to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. And Jesus says, he who believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. That the things that you are full of will flow out of you. And everyone has something flowing out of them. And it is what's coming out is what you're filled with. When I first moved out of my parents' house, I was making uh, $400, $300, $400 a month. And I thought, boy, I've hit it big. You know, $400 a month, this is big money for me. I never made more than $20 a month in my whole life. And so I went and got myself uh, a little apartment. Well, I called it an apartment, but it was a horse barn in this pasture that this guy had put up walls in this horse barn. And it had two rooms. It had the room, which was just everything, and then a little bitty bathroom. And they had well water run to this horse barn. And so I, I thought it was like a hundred and something dollars a month, $150 a month for me to live in this horse barn. And every time I turn on the water, there was sulfur that had got into this well. And so my whole house would stink like rotten eggs and just terrible, the worst smell in the world. And it didn't matter how, the, I told my landlord, I was like, hey, everything smells real bad when I try to take a bath. And he's like, well, you got to let that water run for a little bit. So one day I let that water run for an hour and it never changed. And so I, I was paying all this money. Well, it was 
you know, almost half of my income, $150 a month. I was paying all this to live in this horse barn. And every morning I had to get up and drive to my mama's house to take a shower. She said, what are you doing this for? I was like, I'm a man. I'm making good decisions, right? But what was in that well was coming out of that well. And it was no good. It stung. But what's in you will come out of you. And so when you are in situations that could be conflict, if you're full of the Spirit and you're led by Him, when you get pushed, let the Holy Spirit come out of you, rivers of living water. When you're filled with the Spirit, you say, God, you occupy every room in my heart. Every bit of who I am is yielded to you. It's like, God, I'm all yours. I'll do anything in every part. There's no part of me that doesn't belong to you. Fill me completely. Lead me, guide me, and let that flow out of me. But even if you're led by the Spirit, sometimes conflict does happen. And sometimes it's necessary, okay? And so I want to help you when conflict does come. So number two, when it does come, Take the first step. This is a big deal. A lot of us like to wait and say, well, you know, they're in the wrong here. And I'm going to let them come to me when they're good and ready. And we'll figure it out then. But I'm not going to go to them. Nope. And Jesus, look, look at how Jesus, how seriously he takes this. Matthew 5, 23, 24. Therefore, If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Like you're in church, right? You're in church. You're right here. You're singing the songs. You're doing all this stuff. Lord, I lift your name on high. Like you're here. And then you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. He says, you remember there's something going on? You got conflict? You go before you do anything else. Before you give your gift, before you go, go and make it right. You take the first step. A lot of times, what is natural to me is to just want to ignore it and hope the problem goes away. I think most people in here, that's what they actually like to do. Most people don't go around wanting to get into conflict. Most people don't find conflict enjoyable. If you like conflict, and that's what we got a security team for, like you can join them, right? But if you are like most people, you don't like it. It makes you uncomfortable. It makes you, so you, instead of dealing with it, instead of going, you're like, I'm just going to hope that it just sorts itself out. And there's this old saying, time heals all wounds. But I'll tell you, when you have serious problems and conflict to deal with, time doesn't heal. It makes it worse. Like, I had a toothache a few years ago, and it hurt. And it started real little. But y'all need to know, I love dentists, but I do not like going to the dentist. It is one of my least favorite things in all of mankind is to go to the dentist. So... I was thinking, all right, well, my tooth is hurting. I guess I better start flossing more (laughs) and brushing more. And I got me some scope mouthwash. And I said, I'm going to do this thing home style. You know, we're going to take care of it like that. So I just, I'm going to ignore it. It'll go well. Months went by. It hurts worse and worse and worse. And then on Easter, 
Easter services are about to begin. And I'm over here and I'm about to sing some songs at the cross, at the cross. And I can't even open my mouth. It hurts so bad. The pain is excruciating. And I'm just like, I told him, I had taken like two a leave and a Tylenol and all this stuff. And like nothing is helping it. And I told the band, I was like, I just need a minute. I can't sing. I'm hurting real bad. And there's a guy over here. Chris Olson is his name. And he was playing acoustic guitar. He's a dentist. And he said, what's wrong with your tooth? I was like, I don't know. Just a little thing. I just, he's like, you can't open your mouth? I was like, no, it hurts real bad, man. And he said, let me look. And so he looks in. He's like, oh, man, that's bad. I was like, yeah, it feels bad. Man. And he's like, you need a root canal. I was like, I'll get one next week, you know. He's like, you can get one right now. Let's go to my office. And so we got off stage. I left rehearsal. I went to his office. He drilled and did a root canal on me. And he's like, all right, we're all done. Does that feel better? And I was half drugged. And I was like, yeah, it feels great, man. Everything's good. And he's like, all right, let's go back. And so I came back on stage with half of a working face with just a fresh root canal. And I was like, as a crawl. <laughs> you know, if you think that you can ignore problems and they go away, they don't, they get worse. The fear of conflict is as old as people are. It goes all the way back to the garden. When Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit, they sin, sin enters the world. What do they do? The Bible says that they go and they hide themselves. Because there's some conflict here. We messed up. But they don't want to face God. And they think, if I hide behind this bush, maybe God himself won't see me. Okay, airtight logic there. But anyway, it's old as time itself. It's natural for you to feel afraid of conflict because it's so uncomfortable for a lot of people. I get that. But I will tell you this. God will give you the strength to face it. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for the spirit of God gave, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Like you may be afraid of facing something head on, but when your love is greater than your fear, you will do things that make you uncomfortable. And the Spirit of God will give you the strength to do that which isn't comfortable. So some of you may have children that you need to have a conversation with, but you're afraid of how it will make them feel. You're afraid of what they'll think. And so you don't say anything and don't offer any sort of correction because you want to remain buddies or whatever for them. But sometimes correction is love that they desperately need. Some of you may be married and you have frustrations between you. In fact, you may have like, we never talk about this because if we talk about this, it's going to be bad. It's going, it's going to blow up. So we just, we stay away from this topic. It's a problem. It's an issue, but I don't want to touch that. By the grace of God, through the Holy Spirit, he will give you the strength Sit down together, put your phones away, turn the TV off, and face the mess. Deal with it. And you take the first step. Don't wait for them. Number three, admit where you're wrong. 
I know some of you may find this hard to believe, but it is possible that just sometimes, maybe, you could be wrong, like not right about something. And even if you're right about an issue, even if you're right about a thing, you could be wrong in the way that you handle the issue. You could be wrong in the way you go about being right. This happens to me a lot. (laughs) I'll just be honest with you. I do not ace this because when I feel like I'm right, I want you to know it. And I'm going to tell you, like, I think I'm right. And let me give you all the reasons why I'm right and you couldn't possibly be right. All right. Get a notepad. Here we go. Let's go. That's like how I'm built. Right. And so there are times where I may be right, but I'm still wrong. My kids, I love my kids. Some days I'll come in and my kids have done something that is wrong. They have messed up. Truly, they have. And they are wrong. But maybe I've had a long week. Maybe I've had a bad day. Maybe I've been all through all kinds of meetings and I'm tired and I'm hungry and I don't. And so I come in and I see what they did, which is wrong. But then my reaction to what is wrong is like, I can't believe that you would do this. This is so terrible. What are you doing? You're grounded. Everybody's grounded. Eileen's grounded. Fox is grounded. Jess is grounded. Everybody's grounded, right? Nobody does. And then, then this happened not too long ago. And Fox goes, Dad. I was like, what? He said, do you think this is an overreaction? Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. I was right because they were wrong, but I was also wrong. Jesus says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It drives me when I'm in that moment and I know that I'm wrong and they speak. And and when he said, do you think this is an overreaction? I was like, yes. And it drives me crazy when my kids tell me something and they're right. What it does is it hurts my pride. It hurts my ego. It's like, I don't want to be wrong to a kid. But I am. I am wrong. Proverbs 18, 12 says, Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud. But humility comes before honor. So as a Christian, as someone in Christ, when I'm dealing with conflict, listen, whether it's at the workplace or in my home, I know this is a family series. This doesn't matter whether you're married or, or not. Approach every conflict with humility. Even when you're right on an issue, is there anything that you could have done differently in that moment? Were you only thinking about yourself? Were you thinking about them? Could you have gone about it in a different way? And when you answer that question, it's like, yes, I messed up. This is what you do. You go and say, Fox, you were right. I was wrong. I overreacted about that. 
it's not that big of a deal. You made a mistake. You were wrong in that mistake, but I was also wrong in the way I responded to your mistake. Please forgive me. I'm going to try to get better. I'm going to try to be better moving forward. When you see where you're wrong and you open your mouth and you apologize and you bring it and you say, I admit I've messed up in this too, then it takes down the guardrails that they put up. And we have a plank problem. And to get rid of it, we admit it. Hey, I've got things that i got to work on too. The last one is, let me just say one other thing on that. And it is, I don't mean that you ever negotiate on what is true. Because there is truth. There's the truth of God's word. But you always take the truth in one hand and humility in the other. And I don't use the truth as a hammer to beat you with. I bring it with a humble heart every single time. Amen? Last thing is this. Number four, I listen to understand, not to win. Some of you were raised to be winners. Like, we're going to win this thing. We're going to do this. It don't matter what it is. If you ain't first, you're last. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of the mentality that a lot of people grew up with. And so we will do anything that it takes to win. I play this game called Wordle. Y'all ever play Wordle? Who in here plays Wordle? Let me see. All right. So if you don't know what Wordle is, you get six chances to guess a five-letter word. And you don't get any hints or anything like that. You get up every morning, everybody in the world has the same word, and you just start going. And you type in your first guess, and they tell you if you got letters right or wrong. And so it's a game. And you're trying to get it in as few guesses as possible. So if you get a one, you get on your first try, that's like a miracle. That's like you're plugged into heaven today. You can go do whatever you want. This is a perfect day for you, you know. If you get it two, that's great. Three, okay. Four, oh, I wish I did better. If I get it in six tries, I don't even send that out to my friends. I don't want you to know that I struggled this hard to get the word, right? That's how it goes. But my friend sent me a website and he said, hey, if you go to this website every morning, and they tell you what the word is, right? And so I think I go on there and I look and it tells you what the word is. And here's the thing. Every single day, I could go to that website and I could see the word and I'd put it in. Bloop, there it is. And I got it, one out of six. And now if I sent that to my friends the first day, they'd be like, you are so awesome, one out of six. That's awesome. If I did that three days in a row, they'd say, you are a liar. We don't want to hear from you no more. You know, you are cheating. Everybody knows it, right? Because the point is to, to play the game. It's not just to get the win, right? Some of you grew up where everything was about getting the win. And when you have conflict and you have a conversation and you sit down with someone, what can happen is you can sit there and listen to someone tell you what their side of the story is. And the only reason that you're listening to them is because you want to respond with your side of the story. It's like, okay, I hear what they're saying, and I'm thinking about what am I, what's my counterpoint here? How am I going to argue that? Okay, I hear that, but they're wrong about that. I want, and you're thinking all the ways to win the argument. When you sit down with someone in love and humility, you don't sit down just so that you can come up with a chance to win an argument. You sit down because you're wanting to listen and understand where's this person coming from? What is the heart behind what they're saying? 
I want you to write this phrase down because I think it, it really captures it. It's, uh, I got this from a, a pastor named Rick Warren. He said, listen for the hurt. Because a lot of times when you sit with someone and you may be totally on opposite ends of the spectrum and you may be right about what it is that you're arguing about. And when you listen to them explain their side, it's not so much about the facts as it is you hear the hurt. You hear what has gotten them from one place to another place. And it doesn't mean that you negotiate on the truth. The truth is always the truth. The word of God is our standard for everything. But people arrive at different places in life because of what they've gone through. Some people have experienced serious trauma in their life that kind of filters the way that they see the world. And when you listen to them, this is where social media so many times misses it, is that it's just a list of facts. Boom, 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 boom. I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this. And it's so different when you take that same person and you sit across the table from them at a meal and you talk and you, the Bible says um, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. It's like when I sit and I listen to you, I can hear the hurt and I can hear your heart and I can know and I can see into the situation beyond just the facts. There's something else there. And maybe we are on different sides of the argument. Maybe we have different ways of seeing things. I know what the truth is. I stand on that 100%. But also when I hear the hurt, maybe the Holy Spirit can lead me to share scripture with them that will more um, adequately speak to the hurt that they're going through, not just the issue that they're fighting for. Like maybe I can give some encouragement to them about what the real issue is because a lot of times there's an issue behind the issue. Like, I need to listen to understand more than just listen to win. I think a lot of times we are trained to believe, especially in this world and the culture, that everything in this world is an argument to be won. And it's not. Not everything in this life is a debate that you have to win. Sometimes you just need to listen and respond in love. Yes, with truth, but always in humility. The Bible says, Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This summer, as you face conflict, which at some point will come to you, maybe not this summer, maybe some other time in life, Whenever it is that you face it, I pray that you remember some of these principles today. That I'm going to go into it with humble heart, knowing that there's probably a piece of that where I'm wrong on, and I'll admit to that. I'm going to take the first step towards reconciliation, and I'm going to listen to hear your heart on the matter, not just to win an argument. And then at the end of the day, the, the truth is this, and Marcus, uh, Pastor Marcus, bef- the guy that was here before me, he used to say this all the time, and I love it. We don't always have to see eye to eye 
to walk arm in arm. Like winning an argument isn't the most important thing. It is we stand together as brothers and sisters, as husbands and wives, as sons and daughters and fathers and mothers, and we say, I love you. I pray for you. We walk towards God together. That is my hope for all of you in here. You know, some people are far from the truth. And what do you do in those situations? You pray for them. You love them. You stand firm on the truth. You don't waver on that. But you also love them with the love of God. And you show them, hey, we don't agree here, but I care for you. You can call me anytime. We don't have to agree on this. I'm going to show you God's love. And in that way, the kindness of the Lord draws men to repentance.